this church ceased to exist tomorrow, would anyone in our community miss us? I'm not talking about missing each other. I'm not talking about your family and friends. But would anybody who doesn't know us personally in this community miss us if we cease to exist tomorrow? Now, I'm just kind of papa here for the fellowship. And um, uh, so, so, you know, I love you, but I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure they'd miss us that much. Uh, I, I hope your neighbors would miss you because you reach out to your neighbors and you love your neighbors. But as a church, I'm telling you, they, they might not miss us that much because we're not involved. We've been great at going across the world and giving to all these things, but we need to walk across the street and care about people in our own community. And things are shifting and changing for us a little bit. We're gonna start to operate in such a way that our community would actually miss us if we weren't here. We're gonna reach out and love them. And I'm gonna vision cast today. I'm gonna talk about where the Lord is taking this church and the new things that the Lord is doing among us. And I'm gonna use our name to do it, Horizon Community Church. That's, that's the three points I have today. Horizon, community, and church. Let's pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and reveal to us, uh, Lord, you, you're so awesome. You just lead and guide and you, we prayed and you brought Tualatin Elementary to our hearts and we get to give and, and show the love of God. We don't speak Jesus, but they know who we are. We're yours and we love them, Lord, and you're doing something and it's wonderful. I pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us, Lord, that you have more for us and show us the things that you have and change our hearts, Lord, to be more like yours. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. By the way, someone between services said to me, um, that, that they said, Pastor, I love the service today. And they're on their way out. They said, I gotta tell you this story. I talked to someone in the community, a friend of mine this week, and they said, where do you go to church? And I said, Horizon. And they said, that's the church that loves our school and helps our school so much. He said, where's that? And they, they said, Tualatin Elementary. And he said, they talked for 15 minutes and she was completely excited that we were caring for don't you think that's what God wants his church to be known for, that kind of thing, and that excites me. Well, first point, we are Horizon. Here's what Horizon means. This is why we named this place Horizon, the place where heaven meets earth. You can look it up in the dictionary in Ephesians. There's a Greek word for Horizon, and it means the place where heaven meets earth. Matthew 6, 9 is really the crux of what we mean by that. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are the people of God who are trying to bring all that he has for mankind, for his creation. We're trying to bring it to bear and bring it to people in our communities. We're trying to bring them his love, his healing, his grace, his forgiveness, his salvation, his power for everything that they face. Where heaven meets earth, we're trying to let people see accurately a wonderful representation of God's love in his son, Jesus Christ. We're in a new day here, and it's a new season. Um, I want to talk about seasons for a moment because it says in Ecclesiastes 3.1, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. Now what I'm about to say as it relates to seasons applies to your life personally, so it might be interesting to you. But sometimes we think of seasons in life too much about, you, you know, um, 
uh, spring, summer, fall, winter, we think of it in terms of, you know, we're young and we grow old and, and we think of just those four seasons in a lifetime. But really the truth is, these seasons will happen in our life over and over again. They happen every year in real life, right? Well, in your life, you'll find yourself in one of these seasons several times. And I want to talk about that and talk to you about a season that we're in right now. So a season for everything. Winter is the end of a season where things are winding down. Just think of this for your life and for our church. Winters are necessary. They're going to happen. They're good. They're not bad. But it hurts sometimes when it's the end of something. It's winding down. The end of a way you've always done something before. A new method, a a, a new process has to spring up. The end of a time, your time in a certain place. There are winters that we have in life. We see that, and here it is from Ecclesiastes 3 where it said a season for everything. It says there's a time to die, a time to tear down, a time to weep. There are seasons where things end. We've done ministry here in certain ways in the past, and then the Lord said it's winter for that. And I want to rearrange so that methods will reach the community better. And so we change and we move, and you, you change and you move in your businesses, in your life. Uh, when, when, when winter says, okay, it's the end of something, but then there's spring, and this is a time of new beginnings. Really, with 2.10 that we had last year, we had a new beginning. I told you that I fired myself and rehired myself, and we were going to reach out in this community like we just showed up and we'd never been here before. You're seeing a little bit of that today. Uh, but but, but this, uh, this season um, of spring is, is the new day. Things happen in a different way. It's a fun time because things are blossoming. The time of new beginnings, in verse 2 it says it's a time to be born, a time to plant, a time to laugh, a, a, a time to dance. So, so here we have the, the new beginnings. And then summer, uh, this is the hard work in, in, in tough conditions. Sometimes, you, you know, you, you always want to be in harvest in your business, right? In your life and in your ministry. You're not going to be in harvest all the time. Uh, you, it just doesn't work that way. Um, you, you might have your productivity line moving up in some way, but you're going to have to have summers where there's a lot of hard work that comes in, where there's uh, adjustments that are, are made, and this is a time that, would, that is tough conditions. You plant, you water, you fertilize, you trim, and the irony is you see nothing during this season often, right? Because the plant doesn't grow uh, in, in the summertime like it does in the spring. It's a time to mend, the Bible says in verse 7. Um, a time to build. So here's where you're doing the hard work. Nobody inhabits something when you're building it. They inhabit it after it's built, right? Productivity comes after it's built. So you have summers in your life. And then you have uh, a fall. And fall is harvest time. This is, again, a hard work time, but it's maybe even more fun than summer because... um, Uh, you're harvesting the fruit of your hard labors. It's coming in. You will see a result. Summer's not bad. It's what, that work is what brings harvest when you plant and water. And and, um, so fall is a time to harvest, it says in verse two. And it's a time to laugh because you can enjoy the harvest when it's bountiful. Now I said all that to, to say this. I believe that we're moving in this new day to the fall season. And the fall season is harvest time. We're about to experience a harvest time. We've seen several cycles and several seasons in our church and a few harvest times. But we've been going through summer. And we, we've been going through a spring. And, 
and, and, and we've had winter here, and now we're about to see the fall, okay? So, so the fall is, is where everything starts to, um, to, to be harvested, and, and you start to see the fruits of your labor. I believe that it's coming, and it's right at our doorstep. John 4.35 says this, Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Well, we know that harvest in spiritual terms really means souls, right? It's it's people. It's it's people coming to Jesus. Uh, I think of Acts, and one of the things uh, that was happening is we just went over that passage. Jerry and I preached in in that passage the last few weeks. And it says there that they, they, they had new believers added to their ranks daily. And uh, I, I love it when that happens. And I believe that we're in that day where the Lord is doing something great among us. Um, we're going to sign up today, right? We need laborers for the harvest. So you saw the card. We're going to sign up. And, and again, we don't want to impose guilt. Some of you are working in the church. Some of you are serving in the community somewhere else. Everybody needs to serve somewhere. But what we've just done is provided a great opportunity for you to serve if you haven't been doing that. And maybe this is something you're saying, yeah, yeah, that'll work for me. I want to get involved. And by the way, those 10 mentors are for 10 children that are having a really tough time in the life in their lives that we get an assignment for. It's not just 10 random kids. It's 10 kids that have no one. And they're looking for someone to just come in and be a positive role model, care about them and bless them. And I like it all because it's during recess and during school. So it's all contained and a little cleaner, you know. Uh, I won't go into that. But you, I think you, some of you know what I mean there, that we can love and care for them there. And they're asking us uh, to come. Luke 10, 2 says this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into the fields. So we've been praying this week. It's been a week of prayer and fasting. Thousands of people around the Portland areas have been praying. We were downtown in the city of Portland yesterday praying with, with nearly, I don't know, eight, 800 or 1,000 people there walking the streets and praying. We've prayed for our own communities, our own regions in the, in the Portland suburbs. And we've prayed for our church specifically this week. A number of people have gathered to pray. And they fasted as well. And we're asking the Lord, part of what we're asking is give us workers. Give us laborers. What I'm saying today is you weren't created just to be blessed. You were created to be a blessing. You will never experience the fulfillment in life that God wants you to have until you start to know that it's beyond being blessed. And it's becoming a blessing. As a matter of fact, some of the most fulfilling things in my life has been when somehow I can see that God has used me in however small a way to touch someone's life and to make a difference for eternity. So we need you. Now, I'm saying all that, that we're in the fall season. There's a few things I need to bring to you and, and, and I'll just share it this way. Um, things are going to fundamentally change in our church. The poor will come because when we go to them, they will come to us. And they'll take our seats in church because they don't know people have seats in church. <laughs> and they won't be dressed right. It's as if 
we want people to clean up before they can find Jesus. They're not gonna be dressed right. And it might, you might be tempted to tell someone you need, you're not dressed right to be at church. Don't do it. I want a shot at them finding Jesus and then we'll let him start to take care of their hearts and lives, okay? Kids will be ruffians that come in. They might even bop your kid on the head and then, you know, in one of these uh, settings. And I'm just gonna ask you to hang in there. Your kids are pretty tough. You know, we'll try to protect them as much as we can. But these, these are people who are coming to find Jesus. And you know most of them get saved before they're 12 years old. That's how most people get saved. 70% of people who come to Christ do so before they're 12 years old. So we're gonna get them up there and they'll come to Jesus and we're gonna change lives. And it's gonna be awesome, but it's going to change our church. I'm... I'm not warning you because that's a little too strong, but I'm, I'm serving notice that God is bringing a harvest and it's going to be different people that don't know him and he's asking us to love them to him. It's true that the church we have, uh, it's true that we are the church that we've always been, but it's also true that we're about to become the church like we've never been. And... Um, it has to do with this reaching out immediately around us. I can't help it. Sports illustrations just come to my brain. I try to stay away from them. Some of you don't like it. I can't help it. I, I'm just me. I thought of uh, reaching around the world we have, and, and I thought of basketball, and I thought of uh, the difference between shooting three-pointers and, and wide-open lay-ins. And we've been just bombing away across the seas with our three-pointers, and we've become pretty good at three-pointers, but if you don't take wide-open lay-ins, you don't win the game. And you, you know what? Wide-open lay-ins are really easier conversions. Easy to convert when you're that close. Here they are really close to us. It's wide open. The fields are white under harvest. And God's saying, I want you to reach out to your next-door neighbor, to these kids that we're talking about, to these, on these street teams that we're speaking of. There's a story of the prodigal son that I love so much uh, because I'm a prodigal who came home and God loved me just the way this story says. Luke 15, 20, this young man has taken his father's inheritance. He's gone into the big city. He squandered his money with prostitutes and wild living, the Bible says, and he's broke. He took all of his inheritance and he's broke. He's eating with the pigs, face down in the mud, and he has this thought, maybe I'll go back and maybe my father would just let me work with the workers for a wage because surely he wouldn't let me back in the house because I, I didn't want to be with him anymore. So he starts home and while he's coming home, he finds a big surprise because it says in verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, his father, and his father's the type and shadow of God here in this story. His father saw him and was filled with compassion. I just want to stop there and talk about filled with compassion for a moment. We forget where we came from. Now, I know that you know about the grace of God, and I think most of you have received it. It's so important to know that he's forgiven you. Don't let the devil beat you up. If it's resolved, if it's not ongoing, it's resolved. It's under the blood of Jesus that Tiffany was singing about earlier. That blood was shed that you might be forgiven, and, and he's wiped that sin away, and he won't bring it up against you anymore. I know that you know you've been forgiven. At least I hope you do. But sometimes when we've been serving the Lord for a long time, 
we, we don't really understand the grace of God coming to others. We get irritated about where they're living. How quickly we forget. Now, I don't want you to go uh, through a long laundry list of how, uh, how terrible you were, but I want you to think about where you were once. I want you to think about your sin for a moment, not to condemn you, but to remind you of the grace of God that forgave you and to remind you that these people need that same grace. You've done terrible things, things people don't even know about that you don't want to talk about. And you don't have to if it's under the blood, right? Why can't we love people who would come here with the same brokenness and the same sin that we were forgiven of? I don't know why I cry all the time. I don't want to. My wife was, or my, my, rather, my daughter was a sophomore in high school and I was coming to speak in chapel and she heard about it right here at Horizon. She said, oh, dad, you're at everything. And I go, hey, they invited me. I'm just, she said, well, could you at least not cry when you talk? <laughs> I'll try. She's just sick of having me at every meeting she went to. She's awesome. She loves the Lord. <laughs> Don't tell her I told that story, all right? She's not, she's not here today. <clears throat> But the father was filled with compassion. Sometimes the church of Jesus doesn't look like Jesus. Because God the Father is filled with compassion for people who've squandered everything, who've turned their backs on him, who've been with prostitutes, who've done the worst thing. He is filled with compassion for them when they come humbly home. I know because this happened to me. He forgave me. Many of you know because he forgave you. And now he's longing to bring them to us. If we go to them, they're gonna come here. And when they come in, I want us to have, he wants us to have this kind of compassion for them. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. Luke 15 tells a story of someone who wasn't very happy about all this grace and forgiveness. The older brother says he became very angry. Look at it on the screen, verse 28. And he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father. And, and you know, I, we give the older brother a bad time, but I want you to know that I, I, I don't see God condemning the older brother here. I, th I think his actions condemn himself. But he loves the older brother, right? God loves him because he's been faithful. But he got angry and he got his heart in the wrong place and, and, and the father went out and pleaded and he answered the father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Well, we're not quite thinking right if we think we're, we're you know, I'm not working for you. I'm slaving. You make me slave for you. And never disobeyed your orders. And yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends because they threw a party for the son, the prodigal who came home. And he's feeling bad. He wouldn't even go in. And he says this in verse 30, but when this son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. He's saying, yeah, you're gonna celebrate him, but you've never celebrated me. Well, God celebrates you, trust me. And um, you know what? I have, I had like a four Kleenex service, the first service, and I got two now, and we're going on three here, so I see what happens. Uh, you know, I was, I was praying with someone once um, that was developmentally challenged, and just sweet as they could be, 
and they started to drool from their nose and they wiped it with their hands. And I was there to pray, so I was trying to, so they had this on, and then they reached and grabbed my hands, you know. Well, here we are, you know. It's already happened, so let's just pray, you know. There's just, there's, there's just some stuff that happens, so if you want to take my Kleenexes, I'll give them to you after the service. And... Don't be the older brother. Just, just don't be that person. Um, Derry Northrup brought a sermon to us years ago. Some of you who, who, who are here know that it was pivotal for our fellowship about the prodigal son. He used this very passage. And, and you remember, we put all the stickers on the pulpit, hundreds of them, praying for loved ones and friends that didn't know the Lord. And so many of them came to, to Jesus, those prodigals. It was just a cool time. I was with Derry this week. And I was reminded of the story of what happened at their church when it exploded. A prost, uh, not a prostitute, but a stripper came in and got saved. And immediately after she got saved, on a Wednesday night in one of their, it was a smaller church in those days, a little smaller than this, uh, she brought 12, 10 or 12 of her friends into the service. So, so all of a sudden, Wednesday night, you know, 12 strippers come in. And uh, they weren't dressed right, they didn't look right, and they all got saved. Well, then they started coming, and you know, sanctification is a process, right? And so uh, uh, some of them are still dancing. They're trying to figure out how to get out of this. They're, not, they're just not there, you know, and they're trying, people are trying to help them. And an old lady came up to Derry because of all this happening and seeing these girls, and she said, you are ruining our church. That's what she said to her pastor. And Derry said, I know, but I don't know what to do. Help me, let's pray. They're just coming, and they're getting saved. Well, that changed their church and a revival started. People heard about the strippers and they all showed up. <laughs> Not really. Not really. The truth is Jesus showed up. These lives were changed and the story was heard and revival started. That's the real truth. And that church has grown to become a church of thousands with that as a catalyst in the movement because a church was brave enough to say, we open our hearts to everyone who needs Jesus Christ. Derry told the story this week that happened at Timberline during that time. He said, there was a brand new family that came from the community and they went up to the front section and they put five pieces or six pieces of paper down on chairs to save for family and friends that were coming that they had invited. They, they'd never been. They weren't saved. They didn't know Jesus. And so a lady came in, an older lady who was a regular member of the church, and she went up to them and she said, have you guys been, have you, have you ever been here before? And they said, no. She said, well, you can't do this. You can't save seats like this. And she picked up the bulletins. And then she sat, her and her husband, in a regular chair. Luckily, someone behind said, hey, you can sit here. Look, we'll, we, got, we have this whole section. Sit here. Now, I bet that lady loves Jesus who picked up the bulletins. I, I bet uh, she loves her pastor, but she doesn't understand things. She doesn't understand that it's so important to love people that every encounter somehow is something that they believe that Jesus is when we call ourselves his people. Or maybe they would say, I know Jesus wouldn't be that if he's real. Well, they're going to come. And they're going to sit in places where you normally sit. 
The harvest time is upon us. And God wants us to welcome them with open arms. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Come to me all you who are weary. All. And I will give you rest. Now I'm, I'm not really rebuking this church. I'm just giving a, 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 a little bit of forewarning that this is gonna happen to preparation for our hearts. Because I know you love people when they come in here. We might miss every now and then, but we hit mostly when people come with love and, and, and encouragement to people who show up. Here's a couple of cards that were, that were uh, filled out here in the church in the last few weeks, surveys. We'll send out, you know, they, if a visitor signs the card, they'll get a response from, uh, from us where we try to encourage them. By the way, if you're a visitor and you fill out a card, you get a $5 gas card that we send out. And you know why we do that to every visitor? Because most people in the North, Northwest think that churches only want to take and they're not givers. So we just start by giving right away. And, and then if they come the second time, I believe our follow-up is $5 at McDonald's, a $5 card. And, and um, we're not trying to buy people. We're just saying, hey, we care about you. We're glad that you showed up. But, but in the second survey here's, that was filled out recently, here's one of the responses. The question was, what was the most memorable thing at Horizon for you? And this person said, all of it, being prayed over. God's amazing orchestration of needs being met with the right people, the openness and welcoming of everyone. The desire of strangers to stop and introduce themselves, even in the parking lot. There's something different here. And it was an answer to a long, tearful plea with God that I could find connection with people who not only believed but followed Christ in word and deed. I'm beyond blessed. Another one said this, the first time I attended, I felt so much care and love in the church that I got chills walking through and I just felt like God was right there. He was with all of us. I actually started crying during church. I could really relate with what was going on in my life right now. You're loving people when they come in here. All we need to do is keep doing that even though they look a little rougher. Here's a question on one of the surveys. What most influenced your decision to attend the second time? How friendly everyone was there in the church. How they had so much care and love. I love this place. They just got here. This is Horizon. The place where heaven meets earth. When we go out, we are Horizon and we're bringing Jesus, the love of Jesus to everybody that we come in contact with. That is our heart. And it's harvest time. It's right on us. Second thought. That was point one. We'll be quicker in the next two. We are community. The, the two words there, common unity. That's, that's what that means, community. Uh, common unity, for some, means that they live in, a, in, a, in the same area. That's the, what they have in common. For us, we mean a little bit more than just our area. Our common unity is found in Jesus Christ. Everybody who fellowships here, fellowships here. Oh, hallelujah. What happened? That was weird. Did you fall asleep back there? Okay. Nobody else did either on that one, I'm telling you. We, we are community and our common unity is Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, verse 15 Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? In verse 16, Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. 
everything we do here is about Jesus. It leads to Jesus, it leads to salvation, it leads um, to, to living the way that he lived and is asking us to live. And it leads to salvation for others. We are all about Jesus, that is our common unity. So when we say horizon community, we mean the place where heaven meets earth that's all about Jesus reaching people. Loving us and reaching people. I heard a great story this week. Um, actually, I didn't hear it, I lived it. Um, there was a, um, a young 29-year-old man who passed away this week that I did his memorial service. His name was Dante. And um, as I talked with his sister when we were preparing for the service, I, I realized what this Jesus stuff that's in your heart can do to affect eternity with the people you interact with. Because I heard that one of the ladies of our fellowship reached out to Dante who had Addison's disease and died of a heart attack at 29 years old just this week. She somehow became a friend of the family and met Dante and she reached out and she bought him a Bible. And she put his name on the Bible. And he started to read the Bible. Started to love the Bible. He came to church here. He, could only, he couldn't get out very much because he was so sick. But he loved it here. And he came to Jesus because this woman reached out and just loved a man that nobody else knew existed and not enough people were caring about. So when I was there on Wednesday and saw his sister reach over and kiss his head as his body was there at the memorial service. And I realized, you know what, she's gonna see him again because they, the whole families come to Jesus. Makes me so grateful for a woman, a person, for a people who know that it's all about Jesus. Life is a vapor. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. I only have so many days left in my life. What am I gonna do with them? Am I gonna watch football? You can spend some of them that way. Am I gonna play video games? Am I, am I gonna be just about work for the world? To bigger house? More toys? A good portion of our days, if we're wise, we'll spend them invested for eternity. Those are the things that last. Those things that we give for eternity, our time, our talent, and our treasure. And that's what we're talking about this week. Dante is in heaven today because someone from this church showed him Jesus. And lastly, we are to be the church. The church of Jesus must know the difference between doing things right and doing the right things. Did you know you can do the wrong things the right way? Meaning you can be organized, you can have great processes, you can make sure you live within budget, but if you're doing the wrong stuff, none of that matters. But if you get on the right things that Jesus is talking about, and then they happen in the right way, now we got something going on. What we're talking about today, we, we talked about some other things that are right and good, about loving each other and community and the small groups. That's awesome. You guys are meeting. You're loving on each other. You're praying with each other. You feel it, the impact of that. But here's more that he's about in his church. 
And that's loving people beyond us. And we have to do the right things. We can't, we can't just do some right things and skip, skip this part for outreach because the church, he said, go into all the world. He said, go into the highways and the hedges, the streets, and invite them to come in. And it's not about running good programs. It's not about these buildings. The church is not confined to properties. The church is us, it's people. It's us going out into the streets and across the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is a moving, living organism that's, that's doing something for God. In Luke 10, Jesus tries to paint a picture of something that he wants for his people to do and a way that he wants his people to be. Let me read it to you. On one occasion, an expert in the law, and that doesn't mean um, civic, uh, it, it means a spiritual law in Judaism, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. Now, I think most believers stop there. In America, we don't think about the second one as much. And then it went on to say, he went on to say, Jesus, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors, your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, Jesus said, you've answered correctly. And Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And replied, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, so here's a preacher dude, a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Not really carrying the heart that God wanted there. Verse 32, so to a Levite, now this is a, you know, a religious person of Judaism, um, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, I just want to just point out quickly, Samaritans were, were considered not pure Jews, not pure in the Jewish um, race or the Jewish religion, so they were referred to by, by many of the Jews as dogs because they weren't, uh, they weren't as good. And it's interesting that it wasn't true, but that's the way some people referred to them. It's an area, Samaria is an area... Um, and Jesus, it's interesting that he used Samaritan in this. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey and took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this, this is what Jesus wants from us, to, to bind up wounds, to love people, to be generous give, givers, even financially, to people who are in need, to the poor, to the needy, and to show his heart of compassion and care for them. We are not the church when we look after only our own needs. 
We're the church when we rise up to reach out and share the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ with people around us. Now here's more he's asked us to do. Take note of this. Give the Psalm 82. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and the helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. So um, I, I remember when somebody loved me and blessed me and helped my family when we were young. My dad had just gotten saved. He'd just come to the Lord. Uh, I, I didn't know it growing up, but I, I didn't know Jesus till I was about eight years old. And um, um, my whole family came to Jesus because a church eventually reached out to us. My parents were prodigals. That's the part I didn't know. And they hadn't served the Lord for a long time, but I, I didn't know that. I just grew up in a home where, where we didn't go to church and hear a whole lot about religion. But they came back to Jesus. They were really hurt by the church in one situation, but they came back to Jesus. And when, when they did, my dad was working a job that he started to feel like they were asking him to say things and do things that were dishonest and he couldn't do it anymore. And he was making good money, but he thought, I'm not, I can't do that. So he quit. He quit the job. And um, not long after, we were in need and we didn't have enough food to put on the table. Just a small juncture of transition for us but we didn't have food and it was kind of weird I remember my mom's frying squash and saying pretend that it's steak it's like what I'm not doing that you know it was I hate squash um <laughs> how about if I pretend I ate something rather than that anything fake and anyway during that time there was a couple in the church I still remember their name Tom and Barbara Stewart and they called my mom, said they wanted to take the kids out. They showed up and they took four of us, eight, nine, 10, and 11. And uh, they took us to McDonald's. Well, now, you know, kids eat at McDonald's twice a week nowadays and it's, it's no treat. But in those days, if your family took you to McDonald's, it was a treat, right? And we hadn't been in a while. So we're kind of excited walking in, but we didn't have any money. And he, he said to us, hey, I want you guys to order anything you want. And my first thought was, anything? Because, like, I want a lot. <laughs> we didn't move too quick, and I think one of my siblings said, well, I don't know if mom would like that. And he said, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Just get whatever you want. So we did. We ordered, there were three trays, just like mountains. We carried back the three sisters to our table, and we just ate and ha, 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 ha. You know, we just, it was, it was awesome. I remember I used to eat two Big Macs in one setting with fries up until I was 30 years old. I'm just here to tell you I'm happy to be alive today. That's, <laughs> I just want to bring that to you. I can't do that anymore, I'll tell you that. Um, but then they took us from there and we drove over to a shoe store and they went in and they, 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 they said to us, we want you guys to get some shoes. And I said to them, Tom, I don't think our, we better call our parents or something because I don't think they would like that. I didn't think they'd want us to try to take advantage of these people. And I remember what Tom did. He got down on a knee like this and he said, son, God told me to buy you a pair of shoes. Would you want me to disobey God? I said, no, sir. I wouldn't want that happening. He said, then I want you to get any shoes you want. And we got the coolest shoes in the world, PF Flyers. Anybody remember those? Okay, we're older, we remember those. 
Then he went by the store with all of us in his station wagon and he just, hundreds of dollars of groceries. And he let us pick, so there are lots of cookies and chips and candy, you know, just interdispersed. I remember walking in and my mother on the porch is weeping. We're going, look at this, mom, and look at these, and look at that. I mean, he really fed us. This guy's awesome. Tom and Barbara showed us who Jesus was that day. Because he said, all of this was done because Jesus loves you. Proverbs 22, 9. Blessed are those who are generous because they feed the poor. You know what? We didn't need help as much the rest of our lives, but we sure needed it that, that time. And that's that's kind of like people are today. You know, people live in nice houses, and in two months, they could be on the street these days with the stuff that's going on. And God is calling us to love. So as we reach out to our own community across the street, as we do what God has called us to do in this new fall season, the harvest is coming. His kingdom's gonna be built. His will's gonna be accomplished and the glory is all gonna go to him because we don't want any of it. We want Jesus to have the glory. As a matter of fact, we don't want them thinking that Horizon's awesome because we miss by that much if we do that. We want them thinking Jesus is awesome.